The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. It's 3.06 on a Tuesday edition of the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. Jalen Nye, Andrew Gross, Grant Fedorik from Leading Edge Physiotherapy joining us in studio for another edition of Fit After 40. And we're talking about... First off, hi, Grant. Hi. You're stretching. I Is this am. your reminder oh, to everyone to do uh, some stretching? I feel not so fit after 40 all of oh, a sudden. Wow. Just, she goes oh. see somebody. Oh, we know a guy. Okay. There we go. <laughs> I'm feeling better now. Has everybody joined me out in Radio Land? Hey, Let's curious, do some like, stretching. Do you, do you have treatment done on yes. you? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Hmm. You know, shouldn't shouldn't I? I mean, yeah. wouldn't it be horrible if I didn't even go for the very treatments I thought, that I tell people? Well, that I just they thought that you for? know all of the things that we should be doing. You know what? No matter what you do. Uh, I can't say that word happens. Mm. It can happen. And yeah. even hmm. to me, it happens. It happens. <laughs> yeah, you betcha. In fact, the very thing we were going to talk about today has happened to I, me. I was about to say, you'd make an annoying patient. Um, <laughs> I would probably. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I was going to say, you'd be singing through yeah, it all. Absolutely. Yeah. you got to do something. Well, you're going to have to help me with today's Math topic because I can't even pronounce it, let alone talk about it. So, uh, what is it you want to talk about? I can even about? spell it uh, plantar fasciitis. Which is? It's, uh, it's the, you know, the common term people use is heel spurs, but uh, I'd like to explain why that's not what it actually is. Plantar okay. fasciitis is an inflammation of a tissue that's underneath your, the base of your foot. So basically it starts at your, the, the front of your toes and it travels all the way back to the heel. And it's a fascia. It's an inert tissue. It actually doesn't contract. Its real role is just to provide some stability and hold things where they're supposed to be. But if it starts to get some... <laughs> it's t- like the bra of the I, foot. I, I was like, I could use some of that in other <laughs> yeah. places. You know what? That's a great way to... I'm going to steal that. <laughs> yeah, that was yours. fantastic. I'm going to take that as my own. Um, but it is, it's an inflammation of... It, what happens is you get these little tears right at the base of the heel and then you get an inflammation as a result. So that's where the itis comes from and the, the tissue is called the plantar fascia. Now, the bummer of this is that when you've got it, there's no getting away from it. Basically, it, people out there would know that they had it if they're getting really significant pain first thing in the morning, right when you step out of bed and it feels like somebody's stabbing you right under the base of the heel. Or if you've been sitting for a little while, it'll be okay. And then you get up and you take a few steps and boom, there it is again. So that's the kind of the telltale sign. Now, this is a pain fascia. that goes right up the back of your leg? No, it's right in the base of your heel, okay. right underneath and uh, it literally feels like somebody's stabbing you there. Pretty uncomfortable. First thing you see people, they're walking, they start to change their footwear. Um, it, it's, it, you know, don't go barefoot if you got it, that's for sure, because <laughs> uh, it, that's not going to help it. Nonetheless, um, the other thing you'll see is people will start to walk more on the front of their foot, so you'll see them with a pretty significant uh, limp. Now, that being said, once you start walking for a little while and you get up and you get moving, it starts to feel better. So runners who have this, they hurt the most first thing in the morning and then, Mm. you know, after they've been sitting, but then they get running and it starts to kind of feel a little better, a little bit better once you get going because your circulation increases and it disperses that inflammation. So what causes it? Okay, there's a few things, uh, several things. Uh, Obviously impact, you know, so people who run uh, and have a higher frequency of pounding away at their heels uh, when they're 
playing sports, people who are wearing improper footwear, it's a really common one, runners who are wearing running shoes for too long, uh, people who are wearing the wrong shoes. I see it with people wearing, uh, going barefoot, obviously, and you know, there's this minimalist trend to run without running <laughs> shoes, so we see it what? pretty common that, with that. What? Yeah, they wear, they, a lot of them are yeah, these little... Yeah, Vibram shoes, they look yeah. like toes, kind of look yeah. like... Uh, oh yeah, I've well seen those, yeah, yeah. 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 So oh. I've seen that with those people. The mechanics of the foot can lead to it. So some people who have either high arches because their foot's really not very flexible and mobile. It basically transmits all that energy right into the heel. Or people who are the opposite have overpronation, like those flat foot people. That's kind of a biomechanical cause of plantar fasciitis as well. So lots of things. Some people just get it. Unfortunately. And so does it does it come on gradually or is it one of those things where you wake up and you've got this stabbing pain in your foot? So it can be both. It can okay. be traumatic. You know, if you come off of something really hard on the heel, you can cause those tears that mm. way. Uh, it can come on slowly over time. And sometimes literally you just wake up with it. See it on people oftentimes when uh, they've been on holidays. And, you know, one of the things that, although this is fit after 40, one of the things that I've kind of noticed and the reason I think that there's a higher prevalence of it now is if you look around our houses what do you see do you see carpet and nice hardwood soft everywhere. Yeah, hardwood and mm. tile yeah right so the feet really don't get a break and the first thing you do when you get home kick off the shoes nothing mm-hmm. feels better than finally getting those shoes off but unfortunately now you're wandering around on hardwood and and uh linole- not linoleum but uh, tile i guess but linoleum wouldn't be much so, better hmm. so would you suggest you know a good pair of slippers well I, I wanted to ask that too because yeah. you mentioned proper footwear yeah um but i don't know what proper footwear is so what what should you be wearing well, let's put it this way. It depends. You know, if you've got the problem, running probably the best thing you can do is wear a running shoe because that running shoe is going to give you a bit better support. It's got some cushioning in the heel. It does actually raise the heel up at a little bit. So it's a bit of a cheat. So if you've got it and you're one of those people out there that are suffering, certainly a running shoe and get a get a good running shoe and wear it around the house. So don't just wear it outside. You might need two pairs so mm-hmm. your spouse doesn't give you heck for mm-hmm. wearing shoes in the house. <laughs> but certainly I do recommend people who've got it to wear a running shoe in the house. Um, proper footwear, you know, flip-flops, they're horrible. They're they are just they are just not good people. They look good. You might like them because they can go on and you're just so happy they to have They look great with, with black socks. Absolutely. So, yeah. but go the European way and don't go flip-flops because they're going to, they, they're bad for the feet. They really are. And uh, it's it, that would be a good example of improper footwear. Well, so flip-flops, but I'm also thinking of uh, women's summer sandals. Like, yeah. Those flats, flats that have just absolutely nothing to them. Same thing. Yeah, and you know Birkenstocks. I'm not here to plug things, but that type of a supportive sandal, that's okay. And there's more fashionable yeah, ones now. Sexy. And I can throw out a bunch of. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They are not. Um, but that that being said, they are good for the feet. Um, it's kind of one of the things. If that's another good example of something you can wear around the house if you like the freedom of your toes wiggling around or whatever it is. Footwear is an interesting thing, though. You know, because it used to be that you would just go buy what you liked in terms yeah. of how it looked, right? But if you actually go to a store that specializes in either running or you know a sports-oriented store, they'll always ask what it is you're going to use that 
sneaker for yeah and then give you the appropriate support for that activity yeah you bet but even there you, you know as an example uh for for athletes you know ro- soccer shoes are a good example there's not really a good soccer shoe that's going to be uh healthy for the foot just the way that they're d- designed um there's really not a ton of support there's not the ability to provide that support it's a feel sport well, that's why they go down crying feet. all the time yeah well that's <laughs> part of the reason yeah, <laughs> well, feet blown hurt. over by the wind <laughs> But even for. even court shoes, you yeah. know, they're, again, they're another shoe that's designed for, uh, you know, more stability and less for cushioning and impact. So, um, you know, I, I I do tell some of the people who are playing volleyball and those kind of sports to wear more of a basketball type shoe because oh, really? they're going to get a bit more support out of a basketball shoe than they are a court shoe. Um, but yeah, absolutely, having the right tool for the right sport. Does hey, before matter. we get to treatment, just out of curiosity, since we're talking shoes and sports, yeah, what about uh, shoes like? Pleated shoes or, um, I mean, are there dangers involved with that and the foot when it comes to cleats on a shoe? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, wearing a, a shoe with cleats is going to have a higher tendency. As an example, you look at a soccer shoe, it's very narrow. So anything that's narrow has a narrower base of support. So all you have to do is think about, you know, what are you going to fall over in more, snowshoes or a soccer shoe? <laughs> so, and, and that being said, your foot's more likely to have a tendency to over... To uh, roll, yeah. yeah, absolutely, to roll into an inversion position. So that's an example of it's, it's a necessary... Uh, evil, I guess, when you're playing soccer Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that you've got really strong ankles and most important, really good balance or what's called proprioception. That's the ability to know what your foot's doing when you're not paying attention to what's going on down there. Hmm. So... Absolutely. Do orthotics do anything for plantar fasciitis? Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the things that we recommend. The first step, though, with orthotics is making sure that a person needs them. Mm. Just because you have plantar fasciitis doesn't mean you need orthotics. It, de- it depends on that assessment and looking at a person's foot and then making a determination based on a mechanical error that you see in that foot. So somebody, for instance, that's got those... Uh, terms flat feet, that's called pes planus. There's somebody that's obviously going to benefit from an orthotic. You see them right away. Even though you're treating the plantar fasciitis, you're usually recommending they get into an orthotic. It is Fit After 40 with Grant Fedork from Leading Edge Physiotherapy. Let's take a quick break here when we come back. Treatment for plantar fasciitis. It's called Fit After 40, and it's our monthly segment with the wonderful Grant Fedorik from Leading Edge Physiotherapy, now with uh, three locations. Yes. Windermere, Royal Glenora, and St. Albert. Albert. Do you work in all three? Do you rotate through them at all? No, I only treat patients myself out of the Royal Glenora Club. Okay. But uh, you know what? Trying to talk him into coming over to our end. (laughs) Well, you should do a a stop, a drive-by in Windy. Do you know why I don't need to? Because we have awesome people there already. Mm, All right. So, you know, that's the key. Find the great people then you don't have to be everywhere yourself. We've been talking about plantar fasciitis, heel spurs is that yep. you don't necessarily want to call it that. That's right. Uh, actually, we should mention that. So a lot of people think that the problem is a heel spur and they go get an x-ray. And sure enough, there's a little calcification that shows up and they call it a heel spur and then they diagnose it as that. So you need treatment for the heel spur when in fact, the heel spur is really a symptom. It's, it's showing up as a result of chronic inflammation. Your body no longer knows what to do, starts to produce bone thinking that'll solve it and so you actually the treatment has nothing to do with the heel spur 
treatment's always aimed at reducing the inflammation in the mm. heel. And so that's why I always tell people, yeah, you have a heel spur. Forget they even showed you that because <laughs> we can move on now and treat the real problem. And then you'll always have it. It's going to be your friend. Name it, but don't worry about treating it. So how do we treat it? Well, a few key things. Number one is what not to do. You know, the internet has got this fantastic <laughs> way of showing people these wonderful treatments without putting it into context. And so the context means everything. So if it's an acute problem, it's pretty new, very inflamed, the treatment at that point is going to be different than when it's been around for a long time. And so as an example, there's one on the internet. I love it. It's good for our business. So I'm going to give away a secret, guys. If you're watching YouTube and it says to hang your foot off of a stairer while you're trying to, you know, stretch the plantar fascia, if that's an acute problem it's brand new it's really inflamed and there's those little tears there common sense actually says let's not yank on it especially by hanging off a stair <laughs> so some stretching of the calf is important but that dangling from the stair can actually prevent it from getting better and can actually aggravate it so that's a what not to do kind of in that stage mm. later on when this thing's kind of more subacute or it's almost gone away that's a good way of keeping the mobility of the plantar fascia and can keep it from coming back but certainly not in the early stages so first and foremost we want to get people into a comfortable shoe we want to alleviate the pressure on that heel and obviously if it's acute we've talked about this before mm -hmm. ice does work so you can take a water bottle as in a good example and stick it in the freezer guess what it does it forms really nicely to the bottom of the foot and you can kind of roll over that for you know a couple minutes three to five minutes and that'll alleviate some of the pain that people are in especially first thing in the morning it's kind of a nice home thing that somebody can do it doesn't cost anybody a visit to us that being said we need to take the stress off of it. So there is a lot of stuff from a treatment perspective that we need to do. We need to deal with that tightness that has occurred in the calf. We need to take some of the tension off the Achilles because if that's really tight, it's pulling on the back of the heel and it's contributing to the problem. We need to get that inflammation and the wonderful stuff at Physio can do that. We've got a few different ways of doing it, including, yes, ultrasound and uh, other modalities that we've got. One of the things that we really like to do is that we've got this taping technique that's a, it's a way that we can actually alleviate most of the pressure on that plantar fascia. So if you think of it, it's almost like putting a person in a cast for a little while, except they don't have a big cast on their foot. So they can still shower, they can still walk, they can still actually participate mm -hmm. in a lot of their activities while, while we're able to reduce that kind of impact on the heel and give it a chance to heal. When they're not getting better and they're really stubborn, that's when we kind of head people toward what's called radial shock wave. Um, and it's very effective for the stubborn ones. Uh, we've been using it now for goodness gracious at least I've been using it for over 15 years so I've seen it mm. take some people that you know were giving up on the problem and solve theirs so there's a lot of ways to approach it we do have a protocol that we follow with people to take them from beginning to end and you know oftentimes with this problem we're able to take somebody who's had the problem for a long time and show them some symptom relief in like a couple visits nice so it's one of those treatments I really get excited about talking about because when people come in we're able to show them a change pretty early on just want to clarify something you said earlier about footwear so are you saying that if somebody comes to your clinic you'll take them shoe shopping you know I, that would be great I might aim somebody else to do the whole shoe shopping thing but, I think that uh, would be an added service <laughs> you know value-added no 
Um, we definitely will make some recommendations around the shoe, but no, we're not going shoe shopping. Oh, that's a shame. Someone wants to know if Crocs are okay to wear. You know, it's interesting. That's a great question. Uh, Crocs do alleviate the pain that's associated with plantar fasciitis sometimes just because of the way that they provide that support and also the cushioning that they've got. Yeah. Crocs are, again, I'm not here to endorse anything, but they're they're good for a period of time, but they're not something I recommend people wearing as a as a shoe everywhere they go all the time. Certainly around the house or for small, you know, amounts of time, they can work very well. So you, uh, go ahead. Well, this question came in not related to feet, but you're here. Sure. Uh, middle knuckle got sore about a month ago. <laughs> Three days later, it swelled up. <laughs> it's been sore ever since. Gout was ruled out with a blood test. X-ray showed nothing broken. Could it be nerve tendon issue? It, you know, that's a being abroad without looking at it. Um, it there's a lot of things that can swell, cause swelling in that joint. Um, anything from different types of arthritis to, in fact, what is being suggested, it can, in fact, be a tendon issue. The only way to know would be for us to have a look at it. it depends on which knuckle it is. Can you get um, arthritis in just one knuckle? Yeah, you yeah. can. As a matter of fact, you can get it in all the knuckles. Yeah. You can get it in one. You can get it in all, and it depends on how it presents. <laughs> we can actually look and see the swelling and look and sometimes as an example there's something called ulnar drift and you combine ulnar drift where the fingers are kind of no longer pointing straight ahead they start to kind of bend inwards with a lot of swelling in there and that can indicate a different type of arthritis as well. Hmm. Wanted to just go back to the, um, the plantar fasciitis again. You sure. talked that you could get some um, good results in a couple of treatments yep. oftentimes. Um, typically how long is is a treatment protocol for for it yeah so average treatment for this problem for us is about six weeks mm -hmm. uh the longer it's been around the longer we're dealing you know the longer it'll sometimes take yeah. to get rid of we have patients that have come with plantar fasciitis and had it for several years in fact my mom's a good example she had it for over eight years um when we uh were very fortunate to actually get rid of hers so uh early in my career i was one of those things that i learned and figured out and that's why i get like i said yeah. i get pretty excited talking about it we're pretty good at getting rid of them. Awesome. Uh, this on the texting line, can you please ask Grant if they deal with uh, tendonitis in the Achilles? Oh I get, yeah. I get it so bad I can't walk and I drive truck for a living. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Achilles tendonitis is is a very painful problem. Instead of it being under the heel, it's at the back of the heel. Mm. So the Achilles comes from the calf and it's that thick tissue that attaches right at the back of the heel. We treat it very frequently. Uh, the longer it's around, the more it gets thicker and thicker and thicker. And the term we use there is called is enthesopathy. And that just means that the tendon's been thicker. And in fact, what can happen is the bone can actually start to get larger as well. So you almost get this big bump at the back of the heel the longer it's there. Uh, I love the word. My Everybody at the clinic's probably going to laugh when I call it retrocalcaneal exostosis. Ooh, nice. Yeah, I, wow. you know, it sounds like I'm so smart when I use that <laughs> word. So I, I try to use it in every conversation I have with people. But that's what happens. Happens when when <laughs> that's what happens. Order of calcaneal exostosis. Yeah, that would be actually. I, that should come with a side of gravy. It should. <laughs> it, it treat. We do treat it quite successfully as well. Early on, there's um, there's a lot of things we can do, including acupuncture, sometimes IMS, uh, and last mm -hmm. and worst case scenario, sometimes we need to use the radial shockwave. So, to your listener, absolutely, we treat Achilles tendonitis. Speaking of radial shockwave, uh, somebody wants to know. 
Uh, I'd like to try radial shockwave for my frozen shoulder. Why is it so expensive? Yeah, there's a good answer for that. It's because the equipment is so expensive. Uh, the costs have come down. I'm proud to say that uh, we we were able to bring the cost down early on. Um, but the first machines that we all purchased, they the costs were sixty to seventy thousand dollars for these machines. Now they're much more affordable, and the treatments are getting much more yeah. affordable. The other thing is is that it's it's um, it's a treatment that costs us money to recharge the machine. So after a certain period of time, we have to send in the hand the handpiece and have it recharged. And of course, in medicine, nothing <laughs> is cheap. And that means to us either, they see it, they know exactly the world that we're in and they charge us a lot of money. So obviously we have to pass that on to our customers. Unfortunately, the upside is, is that it is a treatment that can work really well. So I feel good when we fix people. Grant, before we run out of time, yeah. let's talk about the marathon. Oh yeah, the What's going uh, on? Run Wild is uh, we're we're coming close to the deadline. So April 29th is the deadline to sign up. We're hoping that we can extend that deadline because we get the most people signing up in the last couple of weeks. And right now, the more people who sign up, the more money goes to our bottom line. Well, now the weather's changed too. Maybe people want to get out there and Absolutely. do some stuff. And you know what? It is such a fun day. And so we have a 5K, 10K, and a half marathon. You can walk it. You can run it. The 5K, you can bring strollers, bring your kids. In fact, we do have a kids marathon as well. Kids can sign mm-hmm. up for a one kilometer race, then finish. Uh, finish off with a metal t-shirt just like their mom and dad did so uh, like I said every dollar goes to the bottom line and our bottom line goes straight to the Zebra Child Protection Center and the St. Albert Senior Citizen Center so we're very proud to uh, Well you've done a lot for those two organizations over the years and I'll keep waving it so the race is May 6th Uh, that's a Sunday and you can check it out and find out all about Run Wild at runwild.com CA. Runwild.ca. CA, not .com. <laughs> Runwild.ca. And if you have a question for Grant, you can always just go to leadingedgephysio.com. Click on the little uh, button that says Ask the Physio. Fire off your question and they'll get back to you there. See you next month. Always enjoy it. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.